Welcome to episode 214 of Saturday Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South and Texas Pete. On today's episode, we preview Rivalry Week, the last regular season games of the year. We will also discuss our thoughts on the newest CFP rankings. You can find the show on our website, SaturdayDownSouth.com and Apple and Spotify. Don't forget to join us for the live show every Sunday night at 8 Eastern time on the Saturday Down South YouTube page. Go share the pod with your friends, everyone. We really appreciate it. The growth of the show has been on fire. And now, let's get to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Saturday Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South in Texas. Pete, I'm your host, Tyler Huck, and with me, as always, for the last regular season preview pod. That is so fucking depressing. It really is. How did it go by so fast? I don't know, but I I really don't like it. I like I was thinking about that beforehand, and I'm like, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I watched Bucket List yesterday, so I don't need to get all emotional. But like, I just I was like, this sucks. This sucks. But also, movie? shout out already to the listeners because we've got the numbers back for this month, and we're not saying this to, to brag by any means. Like. This is just because we're very, very grateful. We're bragging I, on our fans. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what happened. If it's the Creed stuff that's really helped and taken off. I don't know if it's because of that. I don't know if it's because our personalities are just that great or yours is and, and it's making up for mine. I don't know. But the numbers <laughs> in the first month were up 29% from the month before. Then from September to October, it was 20%. So still had increased. And then I don't know why I said it like that. And then from mm-hmm. October to November, 45%. You guys have been incredible. And we're very, very thankful for it. Um, stop dabbing, dumbass. Um, uh. So we joke around on the pot a lot, but like the live show was crazy. You guys, we had a bunch of people on the live show. Like, yeah. I, we just really, really, I'm like, I'm, I'm almost like blown away a little bit. So I just wanted to say thank you. We're very, very grateful for you guys. Um, and that's it. Yep. That's the pod. Mm-hmm. Pam by 90. Fuck Tennessee. See y'all next week. Uh, okay. Well, this is a huge week. A lot of good games. Uh, but first, before we get into the games, the playoff rankings came out last mm-hmm. night. I didn't have any problems with it. I said last week, if Washington goes on the road, beats Oregon State, they no. deserve to be the number four team. I don't. And the, the committee came out and made it very transparent that this has nothing to do with the Jordan Travis injury, more yeah. so Washington. Reese Davis was just, he was committed to like, come on, but seriously, like uh, Florida state, like we just got to look at them differently now. Right. Like he just really wanted the committee to yeah, just go in on Florida state a little bit. I was a little perturbed by that. Yeah. I, I think that like my thought on this is, it remains the same. I said it last week. Like, if you're Florida State, like the two biggest takeaways I have from the the playoff ranking, and there's there's probably several you could say. I was a little bit confused. Like, I, I am certainly a little bit confused by Oregon because I've been very high on Oregon. We both have them in our top five. I think some of us have them in our top four, and part of that's because they play a really good brand of football. They they the offensive line has been incredible for a second year in a row. Um, defense has been much better than people think. And Oregon defense would be. They're very, very stout. And Dan Lanning, obviously, defensive coach. And Bo Nix has been, you know, arguably the best quarterback in the country uh, in some people's eyes. So, but like, 
the resume is not there. The resume is just not there. That like their best win is against Utah. Is a yeah, that, and that's a frustrating. Yeah, and that's the frustrating part sometimes when you have the committee come out every single week and explain themselves on the rankings. Yeah. I mean, half the time they're like, well, they've got a better resume than this team. And then with Oregon, it's like, well, they just look better. And it's like, okay, right. so what What are you really valuing more at this point? And Michigan just had three all year with, with nothing, like no resume at all. Just like, I, I don't know. But also, I was thinking about this as much shit as we give Michigan. It is pretty wild that – they have won 11 games and five of them have been without a head coach. Like that is, that is pretty crazy. <laughs> so, um, no, back to the rankings though. Yeah. I think like I have no problem with Washington moving ahead of Florida State because I think that their resume should speak for itself. They've, they've had four wins this season against ranked opponents. I, I, you know, I know the fact they haven't won by double digits since uh, midway through September. That's a little bit surprising, but they still have wins against four ranked opponents this year. Which is, I believe, like like more than Ohio State, and Michigan combined, and they're and they're sitting behind them. And I will also say that Florida State, Florida State will still get in if they go undefeated, in my opinion. And, and the reason why you have to say this is like we already saw in year one with Ohio State and the backup QB, a third string QB, go into the postseason with a backup quarterback. Now, granted, they did win fifty nine nothing in that Big Ten championship game. Or like fifty nine to three. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if Florida State, I don't think Florida State has to do that, but like the other thing is this Texas and Bama. You have to put Texas in over Bama. Have to. And the reason why is this. You're setting a long term precedent for the cultural playoff and for cultural in general that there is no reason to schedule good games outside of your conference. Like if you if you put I I've already said this, and I will be as transparent as possible. I'm telling you this now, that Texas should be in over Bama. I will guarantee you that the, if Bama beats Georgia from the hours of 8 p.m. on December 2nd to 12 noon the next day, I will have a very different attitude, most likely, because I will be amped up and, and, and like, you know, reveling off that, that last win. But, like, you are doing a pretty big disservice to college football, I think, right now, if this happens and Texas gets in over or doesn't get in over Bama. After going to Tuscaloosa, beating them, beating them by double digits, I don't care what happened the rest of the way. Like you, you are telling the rest of college football, "Hey, there's no fucking reason for you to schedule any good games outside of your conference." That's a fair point. I think for you as a Bama fan, you're you're rooting for Texas to lose to Texas Tech this weekend. I mean, it could, they could lose in the Big Twelve Championship game, but let's have Texas Tech beat Texas. Yeah. Oregon loses to Washington in the Pac-12 game. Ohio State beats Michigan. Then I think Bama's got a chance to get in. I yeah. think obviously they have to beat Georgia. I'm um. There's there's still a lot to unfold here. I don't, I still don't think we're gonna get some crazy weekend. And if we do, I really hope it does not involve Alabama. But like, I am pulling for the following teams: Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, Oregon State. Washington State, Ohio State, it doesn't matter, but also Georgia. I actually have probably, Florida. Probably, I'll pull for Georgia Tech because I like Georgia Tech, but it would be bad for Alabama if Georgia lost this game. Yeah, I agree. No. Um, yeah, there's a lot to still be 
shaking out here. Um, and we're going to cover these games. Yeah. So, I think we start right on Thanksgiving Day. Fuck yeah, bro. Thursday, 7.30 on ESPN. Number 12, Ole Miss. 9-2 and two on the year at Mississippi State, who is 5-6. and six, Ready for full contention. Game. Yeah. Um, let's listen to some uh, some hard facts being spit on some other gambling podcasts. And I've found historically that teams that are five and six going into the last week are 53%. Uh, so they're a little bit of an edge to the five and six teams that are desperate to get into a bowl. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. There's a couple teams on this slate that are in that um, 24 in total, 24 or five and six teams going into this final. Um, Final game. So how many? Real quick, this is one of those games. This is a ten. Yeah. God, I hate this fucking huh? internet connection. I hate this. Oh, how many are connection. eligible now? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sorry to everybody. This is my fault. This is my yeah. Fault. I don't know how many are. Well, we should be able to get a clear recording because we're doing it a different way this time. Oh, good. I haven't <laughs> reacted. Fair enough. Yep. Um, so this is a ten. Actually, I think this is moved. Let me see the current line here. I just um, put it nine and a half. It opened as a 10, 10 point spread. There's some elevens on the board. There's some ten and a halves on the board, but we have moved past the ten at this point. Ooh. Okay. Um, I wanted to share uh, uh what what I thought was a pretty funny video that I found earlier today. The you know the classic coaches call in show. Yeah. Um. I'm not gonna be able to do it. Um, I'll tell it was, you. It's a Lane Kiffin. It's a Lane Kiffin clip. Is it? Yeah, about I, yeah. My my computer's not wanting to share right now. It's about the cowbells. Yeah. So Lane Kiffin basically like went on this little rant about how he's like, you know, the cowbells. Um, they. It was something about how go. he's like, why is this? Somebody's giving me a history lesson on why this is even legal. Blah blah blah. And like, if you look at the actual bylaws of the SEC, oh god. Have you guys been preparing loud cowbell? Oh man, who's this guy? That's me. You probably can't hear that, can you? No, not at all. We're on, you hear we're on all cylinders right now. The noise you're gonna hear. Sick. All right, yeah. Basically, they're like, you know, they're they're saying like, we don't understand why the the cowbell can play through while we're actually trying to call plays because, yeah. you know, the rule is supposed to be, you know, whether it's a band or the they're playing over the PA system. You have to stop once they get up to the line and are trying to run a play. And they, they said the rule basically is you have to do you have to shake the cowbells like respectfully and smartly. And he was like, Well, that was the dumbest rule I've ever heard. Yeah. Who's gonna listen to that, especially in this game? Yeah, the fact that they put res- like I think I, I think they I it's say, much more funny when you actually watch the clip. I don't think he said respectfully, I think he said responsibly. I, th- I think he said like like because that's the way the law Oh yeah, responsibly. The rule is written, it's like they you need to do this responsibly, which like as you guys know. If there's a word that really encapsulates all SEC fans, it's responsible, especially on game day and especially when it comes to sportsmanship. Uh, this total in the Egg Bowl, 54 and a half. Um, I don't look. I mean, this the Egg Bowl is always it's one of the craziest rivalries. Like, I feel like something crazy, whether it's a guy pretending he's peeing on the on the field as a dog. Uh, I mean, there's just crazy stuff that happens in this game. So I don't. Maybe it's not in doubt, um, but it is a double-digit spread here. 
Yeah. Uh, what are you thinking for this game? So I do like, from a betting standpoint, two things, okay? And that is, I don't know why they're not listing the second half point total or point spread. Um, I think that part is pretty interesting to me because I think I would take Ole Miss. I like Ole Miss to cover. I, I, Doesn't I, that get listed like at halftime? No, no, no. They usually listen the day before because um, I, I got all of them for the ones on Friday and Saturday. And there's a couple in here that I think are locks. Uh, for instance, Bama is a six and a half point second half favorite and LSU is a two, uh, a four point second half favorite. I think two, those two are my favorite ones. You could get Ole Miss earlier in the week at nine and a half. And that's what I'm going to say that I did uh, in this game because I think, I think they cover and, and I'll tell you why. I also think that, like, from a gambling standpoint, one of my best bets, almost to score first in this game, is, is all but a lock. Um, I love the fact that Mississippi State can get to bowl eligibility. They seem like they had, like, rallied the troops. The the locker room scene where they, you know, drove in on the four-wheeler and all that kind of stuff. You get Will Rogers back, all that kind of shit. A lot on the line, and you're at home. You upset them a year ago. I think all that's that's great. You also, the other good point I'll make for Mississippi State, Ole Miss at home versus on the road. Ole Miss averages 21 points per game less on the road than they do at home. And this game is obviously being played in Starkville. All that being said, I just have a feeling that this is like a massive, massive deal for Ole Miss. Because this is like the second time I think I, think, I was on a show with T-Bob A. Bear today. And he said it's the second time in, in program history they ever get to 10 wins in the regular season. It's a massive deal. A massive deal. Get to 10 wins in the regular season for this program. Um, and then if you look at it, if you're an Ole Miss fan, you're like, if somebody would have told you in the beginning of the year or told Lane Kiffin, look, you're going to go 10-2, and two, and your only two losses are going to come on the road against Georgia and Bama, that is a phenomenal job of coaching. Phenomenal. So I like Ole Miss. I like Ole Miss big. I think this is a statement game for, for Kiffin, who is kind of going through some shit um, like with, with uh, some of the stuff that people are saying. Like about, you know, he's being sued right now by a former player. I don't know if you've seen the latest on this, but it's pretty fucking disgusting. I'll just be honest. Like we usually we try to stay out of stuff like this, but I saw this yesterday. Uh, the player, his attorney is trying to file a lawsuit against Lane Giffen saying that they have um, examples that he was treating black players versus uh, differently than white players because a white player who was gone was given all these different like, you know, luxuries and like, like. He was afforded time off and blah, blah, blah. The mm-hmm. white player that was off, it was his his dad died. Very different situation. Oh. All that being said, I think that Kiffin yeah. is going to come into this game after losing last year, after the fact that, like, that's happened, they're on the road. He's got a chance to put, like, a, a statement win to, to book in the season, and I think that's what he's going to end up doing. I think Ole Miss wins big, man. I think he went by 20. Okay. Um I don't have quite that big of a spread, but it's I have them covering. Um, like you said, Will Rogers is back. He came back for the Southern Miss game last week, and you know he looked rusty. 144 yeah. yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He had six drops. Uh, not that that's on him, but you know he's only 12 of 27. Jaquavius Marks, who was out for uh, the last three before he returned last week, that's obviously a big addition for them as well. But they don't do anything. No, very good. Like they're 122nd. On offense, they're 122nd in success rate, 124th in third down conversions, 81st in havoc allowed, 94th in finishing drives. On defense, it's not much better, 117th in finishing drives allowed, 73rd in success rate allowed. They just don't do anything well. No. Um, 
I expect because it's the Egg Bowl that at least it'll be competitive for a half, um, and they're fighting for bowl eligibility. Weird thing of this game, like you wouldn't think about this, but the under is eight and two in the last ten in this game. Wow. So something to think about. But I'll take Ole Miss thirty four to seventeen. I was gonna say thirty eight to seventeen. There you go. Yeah. All right, Friday. Let's move to Friday, four o'clock on CBS. Number nine, Missouri, who is nine and two at Arkansas, who is four and seven. So they are not gonna make a bowl this year. Yeah. Um, they did get some good news, I guess, if you're a Sam Pittman fan, that they will be keeping him for another year. Um, this is a seven and a half point spread. Uh, Arkansas, the home dog here, total 54 and a half. Missouri's trying to get to double digit wins for the first time since 2014. We've talked about this a lot, but Arkansas this year has one win over a power five team. That would be crazy. Florida in overtime. Western Carolina, Kent State, and FIU are their other uh, victories. Um, picked this up on another podcast as well. Didn't know this, but, um, Drinkwitz, we all know he's like, kind of likes to be a shit talker. He's kind of petty. He's from Arkansas. Okay. And there's two things here. He didn't get a look from Arkansas when, um, they were going to hire a coach. And apparently Gus Malzahn is one of his best friends and the Arkansas admin screwed him over at some point. So petty drink going to be in his bag in this game. Missouri's eight and two in the last ten straight up. Um, I like where Missouri is headed. I know this is a tough game, yeah. But it's not like Missouri has an SEC championship game on deck after this. They should be firing on all cylinders. The unders three and seven in the last ten. So um, this has typically been high scoring. Uh, I'm going to go Missouri thirty five, Arkansas fourteen. Okay. Um, So. There's a reason why this line is is coming down, and I don't know what it is, except for that Mizzou might be without four starters. They're going to be without two linebackers. I have to check the text from my trusty source at Mizzou, and my trusty source is just my buddy Jeff, um, who I'm sure is is, is celebrating a, a very exciting uh, drinksgiving, is what we'll call it on here, since it's not appropriate what we call it outside of here. Anyway, um, Jeff was saying the other day, we were having this conversation, like, I was like, why is the line dropping so much? And and because I just don't pay that much attention to to like deep, deep Missouri intel, right? Because here's the thing. Missouri, like I, I I'm not trying to say that I don't care about Missouri football. I don't need to care about Missouri football in this instance because I, I, I love Sam Pittman. I, I love him to death. I'm glad he got another year. Very happy for him. I think that's the right move. That being said, Mizzou. They don't need, they don't, I don't need to know anything about Mizzou outside of the fact that they're a much better football team. They're a better football program. And if you need any example of that, not even just this year, man, not even just this year, you look at like what they've done to Arkansas. It's one of the first things that came out of, out of Drinkwitz's mouth when he went up to the stage. And I'm, I'm looking at it right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Mizzou is seven and two against Arkansas in the last nine games against them. They have dominated this rivalry, dominated. They won like six of the last seven against them. Um, Drinkwitz brought it up at Media Days in Nashville. Like I said, it's one of the first things he brought up. I, I know they might be without a couple of guys, and maybe they struggle early and, and, and all that. But this offense, one thing that's been really cool to watch this offense, we thought in the beginning of the year it was just going to be Luther Burden, right? And now as the season's gone on, Luther Burden's not leading the country in, in receiving stats anymore and receiving yards or whatever. It's Cody Schrader coming in and putting up 300 yards total against Tennessee. 
and then having another great game last week. Um, it's it's Theo Weiss making huge, huge catches like it would, when they need it most. It's Luther Burton last week on fourth and seventeen, and Brady fucking Cook on fourth and seventeen last week, stepping up in the pocket, making a massive, massive throw when you need it most. This team knows how to win. I like they have two losses, and I and they it felt like they kind of got away from them against LSU. And and I'll tell you what, man, if that game was replayed this week, I don't know if they're giving up a twenty-two to seven lead. I just don't. Not with the way LSU's defense is. And, and, and credit LSU all you want there, but like this is a team that had the ball that had a chance to drive late in the fourth quarter to possibly win the game. And, you know, you end up throwing a pick to a 4,000-pound man in Zier Stackhouse. I love this Mizzou team this year. I, I don't see anything getting in their way of 10 wins. I think they get their 10th win this week. Um, the line scares the shit out of me. It scares the shit out of me. Uh, but I don't think that their their offense is good enough to, to keep pace with them. So I will say Mizzou wins 34 to 20. Um, by the way, the, the line currently has moved to nine. It went back up? It did. Well, I got it. So, so there's that. Eight and a half, nine, depending on where you're looking at. Love it. Good line. Yeah. Um, all right. Sticking with the pre-Saturday games, we will go to Friday, 8.30 on Fox. Number 16, Oregon State, who is 8-3, coming off that Washington loss last week. Against number 6, Oregon, who is 10-1. Oregon, a 13.5-point favorite in this game. Um, Opened at 14. A little bit of money came in on Oregon State to push it down to 13.5. Total, 62.5. This is the Civil War. I don't care what we want to, what PC term we want to use for the rivalry here. This is the Civil War game. OSU's won two of the last three. Oregon leads the all-time series, sixty-seven forty-nine to ten. Yeah. Um, obviously, we know Oregon punches their ticket for a rematch with Washington in the Pac-12 title game if they can win this game. Um, Oregon State could ruin Oregon's season, their last year in the yeah. Pac-12. Um, the head coach for Oregon State, Jonathan Smith, he's a hot commodity. Uh, Oregon State uh, AD came out, said they're working toward a long-term deal, so that would be good for them. Yeah, He played in this game. He's coached in this game. This this game means a lot to him. Um, last year, I don't think – you probably remember this because you have a great memory of what happens in games in the past. I don't know if people remember how this game played out last year. Oregon State won so game 30-34. Yeah. But Oregon was up 31 to 10 with four minutes to go in the third quarter. Oregon State in the entire game only passed for 60 yards. And Oregon State came back and won the game. Here's how fourth quarter started, and Oregon kicks a field goal to go up 34 to 17 with one quarter left. Ensuing kickoff, Oregon State takes it back 48 yards, gets a 15-yard penalty on a face mask, so they just start on the Oregon 36. Three rush plays, touchdown. Ensuing kickoff, returner takes it out when he shouldn't have. Tackled at the 16, holding penalty, they go back to the eight. Three and out, the the punter fumbles the snap, gets tackled at the two. Two plays, touchdown. 34-31, only about two and a half minutes have come off the clock at this point. That's that, that part. Ensuing kickoff. Oregon returns it to the nine. <laughs> Special teams really failed the Ducks last year. Oregon <laughs> ensuing kickoff returns it to the nine. 
They get it out to their 28-yard line. It's a fourth and one. Lanning decides to go for it, and they get stopped on an RPO. Bo Nix tried to rush it. They get stopped. So on their own 28, Oregon State comes up with the ball. Four rush plays, touchdown, 38-34. And there was still like 10 minutes left, and Oregon State's defense holds, and that was the final score. Like one of the like if that would have happened to Florida State, I like against Florida, yeah. Like I would have gone insane. You're up yeah. thirty four to seventeen in the fourth quarter. Yeah, so, well, I watched there's gonna be some revenge on mine here for Oregon. So no, too much. Yeah. Um No, I just didn't hear it because the, the internet's just not working God. out too well. Um I I think Oregon wins this game. They're gonna want to get revenge, but in this kind of rivalry game, Civil War, I think 13 and a half is probably too many points. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to go Oregon wins 36-24. They don't cover, but they do win, and they get the rematch with Washington. Yeah. Um, give me the score again. I'm sorry. Give me the score. 30, 36 to 24, Oregon. Oh, okay. That's stupid, but okay. Um, could have easily just said 37, but... Um, I, 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 the, my hope for Oregon State to win the conference is gone. I, I had it preseason. You're out here wearing their colors like an asshole. You're kind of being like a net neutral here with, with their colors, which is kind of fun. Um, a little bit of green, also some black and orange up there. Love it, love it, love it. Now, yep. um, we joke around about Oregon State a lot. I think they're a great football team, and they're really, really fun to watch this year. I know they're eight and three, but some of those losses, like, like, is it is it Oregon State that has they have three losses right? Yes, and it was only by a total of like le- less than ten. It was three losses by eight points. <laughs> That's it. Okay. Um, yeah. Now that being said, I have also brought up a whole bunch. Like they have beaten Oregon two of the last three years, but that line I was like, why is that line so high? That's crazy. I love the brand of football that Oregon State plays. I love the under in this game. Um, I think this would be much more of a defensive battle between the two. I, I I wonder if it plays off like like the game you were mentioning last year, where it's like, okay, well, somebody gets out early and then they they kind of bring they kind of come back, um, or if it's just like they keep pacing each other the entire game and somebody pulls away at the end. I lean towards like the, the latter of those two. I I think it's more of like they they kind of like mirror each other. It's a slow start in my opinion after the first drive, and, and they're not on script. Because I think that Oregon State's a really, really well-coached football team. And I think Oregon's a really well-coached football team as well. I cannot figure out for the life of me why it'd be 13 and a half. Because I, like I said, they have won two of the last three. But my, my question for you is this, Tyler. Do you know how many times Oregon has won? I'm sorry, Oregon State has won against Oregon in Eugene in the last 30 years? Oh, no, I don't. Three. One. Once. One. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that might, yeah, that, that might make up for it a little bit. It was in 2007 and it took to double overtime for them to do it. But every other win they've had in the last 30 years has been in Corvallis. They have not beaten Oregon in Oregon except for one time. And it was 15 years ago in double overtime. So that makes me think that Oregon, also, if you look at some of these numbers for most of the games, like, I understand they're, they're, these are two different programs. They've, they've been two different programs for quite some time. But the way that Oregon State has won, it's been like, you know, they won by four last year. They won by three two or three years ago. Um, like I mentioned, like the, the double overtime game, they won by two the year before that. 
then you look at everything else, like like every game that Oregon's won has been like kind of like a blowout. I don't think this is a huge blowout, and I don't think it needs to be a statement game or a statement win from Dan Lanning. I like Oregon to win. I also don't think they cover the 13 and a half. Um, I will say that Oregon wins, I'll say 38 to 28, and, and hang my hat on that. Okay. All right. I like that pick. Um, this one's a little bit under the radar, but I think it's a uh, sneaky good game. Saturday, 8 p.m. on the ACC Network. UNC, who is 8 and 3, against number 22, NC State. Sneaky NC State, also 8 and 3. Um, they've been on a bit of a roll over the last couple games. I'd say that kind of in jest. They've definitely won their last four, including against Clemson yeah. and Miami, and then went on the road and beat Wake and Virginia Tech, which isn't much. Uh, they only had 202 total yards against Clemson and still won that game 24 to 17. Um, and they only had 231 yards total offense against Miami. Not going to get it done against UNC, but this is a much, much easier defense to play against. Yeah. Um, this is a two and a half point home dog for NC state against UNC total 55. I don't have a lot of analysis on this. All I can say is NC state at night. Is a very tough place to play, sneaky tough. And UNC, yeah. this seems like a, a spot that they just blow it consistently. Um, yep. I don't know what it is about UNC. I mean, I love Drake May. I just don't think they have a great team year in and year out. They're always kind of perennially underrated or overrated. So I think I'm going to I'm going to say NC State with the outright win here. Um, I'll go thirty to twenty-seven. I think it's a good pick, man. I, I think like. This when you look at like like the past fifteen years, right? Past fifteen years, NC State has won or sixteen really. They've won eleven of the last uh, of the last sixteen, and you know it, it's a little bit similar to like what I just said about Oregon. Like those those wins are, are usually by a little bit like a slimmer margin, um, but this does feel like 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 going into Carter Finley at night does feel a little bit different. Um, now, this could be Drake May's last game. This could be Drake May's last game in college. Mm-hmm. That, I think, counts for something. But every time I look at this UNC team after, like, the month of October started, it's like they just disappoint me. Whether, and it's, it's like whether I've, like, bet big on them or I think they're going to win big or I've, I've like gone to bad for them. Or it's like, you know, I, I, think, I think we might have been the kiss of death being like, you know, this, this Gene Chiswick defense has been lights out ever since, you know, they, they've made a bunch of changes and, and blah, blah, blah. Now they do have, I believe they have the nation's leading rusher, uh, which I was very surprised to hear. Um, I, and I probably should have also known that since it's our job to cover college football. But that being said, I, I, I think that this is a fun game where UNC tries to do some fun things for Drake May's last game. Like whether it's like, like, like don't be surprised if he catches a pass in this game for real. Like, I, I don't think that's like that kind of stuff's off the table, but I will also say that it, it scares me them going to Carter Finley um, because they, like NC State is like I feel like they're they're a little bit like Auburn where they're at their most dangerous when they're just kind of lying in the weeds, right? Just lying in the weeds. I think that that oh God, you picked NC State. I did. I'm gonna pick UNC just to be different. But I, I just have a bad feeling. I think it's a very close game. I don't think they cover the seven, 
but I'll say UNC and I'll say it's, let's see here. I'll say UNC wins 28 to 24. Oh, it's not seven, it's three. It's not perfect. Okay. Yeah. What was yours again? That is perfect. 30 to 27 NC State. Um, all right, so Saturday at noon on ABC, Kentucky six and five on the year versus number ten Louisville ten and one on the year. Louisville a seven point favorite, total fifty five and a half. I'll let you start on this one. Okay, this is, the, so, this is called the Governor's Cup, I believe. Yeah, they call it the Governor's Cup because it actually did not have a name for quite some time. And both teams got really big into Walking Dead. And they were like all about Walking Dead for like the first like three to five years. And then like, you know, the cast, like there, there was that one season where like Negan came in and he had a weird name. And then on top of that, like there wasn't a lot of like payoff for every episode because like every single episode, somebody died. And it was like this very arduous, brutal, like episode by episode, like, I don't know, it was like a laborious watch. But before that, when they had the governor, that was at the peak of not only this rivalry, but maybe this country and that show. So they called it the Governor's Cup because of that. It's actually, they've only been playing this game for 10 years. So people don't know that. And that's all very, very factual and not uh, made up at all. Yeah. So I will also tell you in the theme yep. of not looking and Speaking at the of facts, The Walking Dead, Kentucky. <laughs> I will tell you the theme of not looking at facts and, and basing any of the things I'm saying off of being factual truth. I think Kentucky wins this game. And I have no reason to believe that. I've, like, oh, wow. Yeah, Louisville has been a really, really good football team. But I had, like, there's a there's a reason. I know they get this game at home. I know it's a, it's a touchdown favorite, all that kind of stuff. Devin Leary has been, like, one of the most disappointing transfers into the SEC. And in, in maybe since Jeremiah Masoli at, at the QB position. Um, he has just been really, really tough all year. Uh, Ray Davis has been fun to watch. Um I think there's this, there will be like more points in this game than than you know maybe in years past, and, and they they might run up the score on both sides a little bit because defenses tend to get torched at times. But I'm I'm basing this off of two things. Louisville, it I feel like maybe they are starting to realize there's more at stake. There's there's a ceiling over Louisville's head. They're not going to get into the playoff, even if they win the ACC. But they got a chance to win the ACC, and in year one. The new head coach, that's a pretty massive deal to be able to accomplish. And and they've kind of got like Florida State like in a very vulnerable spot. Maybe there's a little bit of like they, they smell blood in the water and all that kind of stuff. I don't think that they look ahead necessarily too much because this is still a rivalry game you don't want to overlook. But I tell you what, man, I've watched it a thousand times with, with other rivalries, especially Alabama, when you got a 10 and 1 team and a 6 and 5 team with nothing to lose. Kentucky has not had that one. Mark Stoops win that they seem to get every single year, whether it's an upset of somebody good, maybe it's like, you know, an emphatic win It's a program that just has, they've really flown, flown under the radar and has not been up to, up to like the, the standard. I think they thought they were going to be at this year. I think they beat Louisville this weekend. I think this is like the Mark Stoops 2023 signature game. And I think that Kentucky wins in a really, really good offensive game. Um, I will say, let me see here. The over-under is 50 and a half. I think it goes way over that, to be honest. I'm going to say Kentucky 34 to 31. Oh, I just don't see how Kentucky scores. Um, you know, if you look at their last. 
Uh, no, they'll score. They're not going to get shut out. But, I mean, we've gone over this ad nauseum about their wins yeah. versus their losses. They have six wins. Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, and Florida. Not not exactly. I don't think any of those teams are going to a bowl. Um, their last – I'm looking at the their box scores here. Since the Georgia game, they've put up 183 total yards against Georgia, 299 against Missouri. Mm-hmm. The outlier, Tennessee, they put up 444 but still lost the game. And then against Mississippi State, 271, Alabama, 253, South Carolina, who has a horrible defense, they put up 293 yards, only scored 14 points. Yeah. I think Louisville's lost four straight to Kentucky. Um, the last two games that have been in Louisville, Kentucky's won 56 to 10 and 52 to 21. I just think Kentucky's a different team this year. I don't like them at all. Brom came out actually. He didn't give you the cliche that this is the most important game we've played thus far. He said this is the most important game we have left on our schedule. Yeah. The rest of the season. I think they're putting a lot into this game. They want to win this game. I think Louisville wins the game 31-21. Right. So there yeah. it is. Uh, all right. Another noon game here. This one Yee! is on ESPN. Texas A&M, 7-4, number 14, LSU, 8-3. LSU is a an 11.5-point home favorite, total 66.5. Yeah. We saw this game last year play out in the weirdest way ever. Like, just the weirdest. It was on, like, kind of like a casual second screen, and you're notice, noticing that, like, a pretty good LSU team is just getting beaten down by a oh, yeah. terrible Texas A&M team that didn't make a bowl. Uh, where do you see this game playing out? Because obviously A and M's got a an interim coach, really nothing to lose. Um, LSU doesn't have much to lose. I think they'll probably try to get Jaden Daniels as many stats as they can in this game. Where do you see it playing out? So the three things I I, I think are all but certain in this game. Um, LSU wins the over. Yeah, um, maybe not the over. Sixty six and a half is a lot, but LSU wins. Yeah, LSU wins by a lot. defense is pretty good. It is pretty good. Um, but I, they are missing a lot of key pieces there. There's rumors that Stewart, the, the receiver, might not even travel. I don't know how real those are. I'm sure they probably aren't that real. But there's rumors that he's going to hit the, the portal. And Bama apparently leads the way for his future services. But I don't know how real that is, like I said. Um, would love it. Come on down, please. Uh, now, this game. The things that I know for a certain, I think LSU wins. Is Max Johnson playing in this game? Do you know? I don't know. They should just let him play all-time quarterback once okay. Daniels gets his fourth touchdown, um, which is the other thing that I know because he's four away. He's he's four touchdowns away from getting fifty this season, and fifty is a nice fat round number that would that would say to the like the the Heisman voters like, hey, look at what I did, and I think they'll get him to to fifty. I think he'll probably go beyond that. I think they're probably talking about five or six touchdowns in this game. Um, I don't think I don't think that A and M is going to be able to hang with them. I, I would tell you again, maybe the lock of the week is LSU second half minus four because I think that they will roll over and die in this game because A and M has nothing to play for. They have nothing to play for. They're not going to upset them, right? Like it's also a weird sleepy eleven a.m. start in Death Valley, which is just weird. The other thing that I know is going to happen in this game. LSU will win. That's one. LSU will get four touchdowns for Jaden Daniels. That's two. And three, they will get up big enough in this game. They will make sure 
that Jaden Daniels is pulled out on second down after after a big play late in the fourth quarter so he can get his flowers and get a, a send-off from the LSU fans because he's put together one of the most remarkable seasons in SEC history, really, and especially LSU history, which is really saying something coming five years after or just less than five years after Joe Burrow won the, uh, the Heisman. So all of those things, I think, are guaranteed to happen, in my opinion. Brian Kelly may have underachieved in some people's eyes this year, but I will tell you this. He's if one thing, if there's one thing that I know about Brian Kelly, it's that he understands the moment better than most. He might not always win. He might not always win the big game. He might not always be able to like have like the talent or, or be as good of a head coach as you know a Saban or a Kirby Smart. He might be overmatched at times like he was at Notre Dame, but he understands the moment. And he understands that one way to keep this fan base in his back pocket because he had him there going into the season is getting Jaden Daniels to New York and possibly winning the Heisman. And the other thing is you finish 9-3, maybe it's not as what, what you wanted, but like put your foot on someone's throat late in the year, get a revenge game. This is a game that A&M is like, they've never beaten LSU in Death Valley since they've joined the conference. But like, this is not like, I mean, like they don't like each other. And I think that he will take advantage of that and he will do everything in his power to make this a blowout. I think, I think they will win by 20 points. I will say, I'll take LSU, I'll say 41 to 21. I, is your stat about never beating LSU or A&M at home, is, is, did you say they've never beaten A&M in Death Valley or A&M's never beaten them in Death Valley? A&M has never beaten LSU in Death Valley since they joined the conference, according to Chris Corey. Okay. I will not take the blame for that. Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> No, I, I thought you said it the other way. I was like, I'm looking here. They beat them every time they played them at home. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. No, no, I, I, I agree. Um, if you look back from last year all the way through 2010, which is, I guess, when they started playing in this game. Yeah. Um, I don't see a score for 2011, which is weird, but they've covered they every game. Won. They haven't won every game, but they've covered every game but one, which was right. last year against A&M. So I think they do the same thing here. Um, nice send off for Jaden Daniels. I will go forty-two to twenty-four. I think it's a it's a beat down. Yeah. All right. Uh, sneaky potential good game here oh, um, in the state of South Carolina. Saturday, seven thirty p.m. on the SEC Network. Number twenty-four, Clemson, back in the polls, seven and four on the year. Against South Carolina, one of those five and six teams we talked about. Uh, South Carolina's plus seven at home, total 52 and a half. Sir, what do you think will happen in this game? Oh, I said some things on radio today, Tyler, that were very regrettable. I, I think I caught that on social media. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I just, I got caught up in the moment. Um, <laughs> I mean, we're not going to clip this, but like, I just hate Dabo so much. It's hard for me to like go into this game and be like, I think Clemson yeah. wins. This is hands down the least likable, the least likable, um, like post game press conference rivalry in America. Hands down. Um, I said on, uh, I wish they'd just do it jointly, like we talked about earlier in the year. Yeah. Yeah. Be fantastic. <laughs> Just like a blood and crips thing, but like you wish that both sides yeah. would like secretly get shot. Um, no, I, I think that like Dabo, Dabo has got his team playing really, really well. But I'll give you a stat. I'll give you a stat that makes me think. 
I, I cannot bring myself to picking Clemson. And there's a bunch of people that <laughs> Clemson fans have said some pretty reckless shit to me. Not reckless. They've said some things that it's like all pretty deserved. Because I, I made the comment, I don't think they're man enough to go into South Carolina and beat them. I don't know why I fucking said that. Okay, I'll be honest with you guys. You're my friends. It's a safe space. I don't ever bring out masculinity in football that much. Like, you're not man enough to go beat South Carolina. First off, that doesn't even sound like something I would say. And, and, and third off or second off or whatever, whatever number we're on, like, everyone's man enough to beat South Carolina. I don't know why the fuck I said that. It was a very bad idea. And I'm going to have to reap what I sow. Anyway, the, what I'm going to hang on to and cling on to hey, is Chris, grip. Here's what I'm going to say. I'll oh, replace boy. your words you used earlier for these. Uh, Clemson only won one road game this year, and it was against Syracuse, who just mm-hmm. fired their coach, Dino Babers. They went on the road to Duke, lost 7-28. to They went on the road to Miami, lost 20-28 to to a backup quarterback, and they yep. went on the road to NC State and lost 17-24. to All the other games except for Florida State, they won at home. So totally different team on the road than at home. So that has to give you some yeah. hope if you're a Gamecocks fan as well. Here's I'll piggyback off that. Here's here's why I think Carolina wins. Spencer Rattler, Rattler send-off game, right? You're, you're coming in. Carolina's not going to be scared of Clemson, for one. If I'm looking at a coach that I trust more in this game, to be honest, I'm not, I'm not saying there's a lot of merit to what I'm about to say, but I'll say it anyway. If I'm picking a team that I trust or a coach that I trust more, it's probably Shane Beamer. Like, you know why? And I'll, I'll say it just because of this. Shane Beamer didn't fake a fucking punt on fourth and nine from his own 20 against Georgia Tech. Like, that is insane behavior. So I, I wonder if the moment becomes, I don't think, too big for Dabo because he's obviously been on much bigger stages than playing a five and six Carolina team. They should win this game. They're a touchdown favorite on the road, right? I, like, like, this should not face them at all. But you said this best, right? On the road, one and three. I'll go one more. I'll go even further with you. You said they were one and three in road games. Here's the attendance in the road game. Duke, 31,638 people. Miami, 48,562. There's no fucking way there were 48,000 people in that stadium that day. There's no fucking way. And then no. NC State. No. It, it, well, and if it was, 30,000 of them were Clemson fans. Yeah, exactly. And it's also, this. I think this is just the max capacity for the stadium. And then, and then NC State, 56,919. Williams Rice holds 77,559 people, and it will be sold out. It is a night game. It will be very loud. And I will tell you from living in this state, these two do not like each other. They do not like each other at all. I mean, they re- like, like this is like, this is like Bama Auburn in terms of Bama being the state school, Carolina being the state school. And then Auburn looking down their their nose at Bama always because of like, you know, all like the, the bandwagon fans and you didn't go there or what the fuck ever, right? But in this case, Clemson is not, it's not like it's some great school. It's at all. <laughs> it's in the middle of fucking nowhere. Like it is very culty. And like, there's not like, you know, they're going to hang on. They're going to hang their hat on those two national championships and, and the, the that rock in the other side of the end zone for a long, long time. I think Carolina wins, man. I think Carolina wins. I don't think it's big, but I think they find a way to fucking win this game. I will say nearly the same score that I gave earlier. I think that it's Carolina. I, fuck it. Run it back from last year. Carolina 30-28. Wait, it was 31-30. to 30. That was dumb. Close enough. 
Carolina 30 to 28. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think, I think, you know, South Carolina, they've, they've got to win this game. Beamer has to win this game. They need to make a bowl this year. Um, and so I think by, I think they'll definitely cover the game. I, yeah. I'd like them to cover that seven point spread. I'll, I'll take South Carolina to win outright as well. I just can't trust Clemson on the road this year. Um, <clears throat> what's the total 51 and a half. Yeah. I will take I will take South Carolina 30 to 24. And I'll tell you the origin of this this real quick, just for a fun history lesson. I, I have no idea how they're gonna score 30 points, by the way. No, no, no idea. Um, but I will tell you this. One the origin of this rivalry, I think, comes back into play here. They, this rivalry game is called Big Thursday. Okay. And we're gonna have Big Thursday tomorrow. Black Friday the day after, and then a cock win on Saturday. You're talking about three days of big black cock right in the way, right in a row. And I, I, I just, I really like South Carolina here. There you go, BBC. That's too much. All right. Uh, didn't know that's where we go with that one. Um, I've had a little bit. All right, the Sunshine there. Showdown, as they call it, and no one in the rivalry actually calls it that. I don't think anyone calls it that, but that is the name of the rivalry. Number five, Florida State, eleven and zero against Florida, five and six. Another one of those five and six teams. Uh, Florida State is a six and a half point road favorite. Total has ticked down to forty nine and a half. Ooh. This game is at seven p.m. on ESPN. Um. Obviously, I'm nervous. I wasn't nervous before Travis went down. Um, I think the drop-off from Jordan Travis to Tate Rodemaker is a bigger drop-off than going from Graham Mertz to Max Brown. Yeah. Um, Here is what I'm thinking. I I think Florida State will win the game. Um, You can hit explosives on on Florida's defense, both through the air and on the ground. I think Norvell is one of the better play callers in the country. I think you sit with your backup quarterback this week. You find out what he's good at, what he likes to do, and you call the game towards that, make him comfortable, and you tell him, do not turn the ball over. That's how it's the only way we lose this game. Mm-hmm. Because I don't, I think Rodemaker has a, again, it's the backup bowl here. It's two backup quarterbacks. I think Rodemaker has the better supporting cast. I think he's got the better coaching staff, and I think Florida State has the better defense. So the way that Florida wins this game is right off the bat, raucous crowd. It's a night game in the swamp. It's still a tough place to play. It's sold out. If you rattle Rodemaker where he's seeing ghosts and he's fleeing the pocket too early and taking right. sacks and throwing interceptions, it's a path to victory because I think Florida does have enough firepower on offense, especially in the run game, which is Florida State's weakness on defense, to score some points here. But I'm going to be positive. I'm going to think that we uh, that Norvell will manage this game the right way for Rodemaker, and I think that Florida State will eventually pull away. It's going to be a stressful game. I'm going to hate it, but I'm going to go with Florida State 30, Florida 20, 10-point victory. I like that. Um, let me give you some numbers here throughout the season. Okay, Everyone knows that, that Florida plays a traditionally very weak schedule in the start of the year. Um here are the numbers when you look at what this defense, I'll start with the defense, has done over the last 
two months. Starting with Kentucky, in their last, uh, let me see here, seven games, they have given up 30 points or more in six of their last seven. The only one they didn't was against Vanderbilt, and that does not count because it's fucking Vanderbilt, okay? Then you look at what they've done in each month. 17 points allowed in the month of September, 32 in October, 41.3 in November. Now let's look at the, the, the points allowed in conference games versus non-conference. Did you know that Florida's only giving up 12.7 points per game against non-conference opponents? Right? Pretty good. Pretty, pretty right. good. Yeah. Giving up over 21 points more in games played against SEC opponents. Now, that may, for like for some Florida fans that are a bit slow because they've been doing too much meth outside of a Wawa, let me explain to you what that means. That does not mean that it's a good thing because Florida State is a non-conference game. It's a bad thing. Because Florida State's better than most teams in this conference. And this might as well be a conference game. From a yardage standpoint, they're giving up almost 275 yards more per game against conference opponents, which again, I fully am aware that Florida State is not in the SEC, but they are what happened. Okay. But no, I'm just I'm looking at the yardage they've given up um pretty much since the Kentucky game, every game. Yeah. It is you rattle them off? Stark. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll rattle them off. So Kentucky 398. Vanderbilt, you set it down to down to 340, so that's a good job. Mm-hmm. Since then, South Carolina, 465 total yards. Georgia, 486. Arkansas, 481. LSU, 701. Missouri, 508. Here's the thing about all that. What was Arkansas's? 481. That's almost fucking impossible to have done this year. That's almost impossible to have done. And the best thing that I've heard about this, and I love him to death. I got to go to lunch with him on Mondays with my oldest friends. If you're listening, Jorge, George Simpson, one of my very good friends in Columbia, South Carolina, he brought up the best point about Florida I've heard all season. You go to the Florida game, and they put up 488 yards of offense, and that's a lot. That's really good, right? That's like in like the run of the mill, very like middle of the pack for what that defense at LSU has allowed to everyone else. Like – so is it that impressive? The answer is no. Like you've given up so many more yards to 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 conference opponents, and so many more points to conference opponents. You've gotten worse almost every single game on defense. I, I like Florida State. I, I think this is like a maybe they're rattled early, but I, I think they rat, I think they rally the fucking troops. I think you get in there. They might struggle with Louisville. I don't see them going into the swamp against a five and six team who has lost four straight games and think that, you know what? I think this is the week that we finally fold. You've come too fucking far. You've worked too fucking hard. And I hate that Jordan Travis is out, but Jesus, man, go fucking make history. Go and go into the swamp, rip out their fucking hearts and walk back into, I guess, Charlotte um, for the, the ACC championship and, and go win you a fucking title. Like that, I, I think that has to be the mindset I love Florida State in this game. I, I just I think that they it might be a shootout early. They could there is going to be a pick your poison of how you want to get beat in the second half. Do you want it to be the receivers with Keon Coleman and that fucking seven foot four minute bowl dude they got on the other side? I've had some drinks. Or is it the run game? You want to let them just run through you like Ray Davis did uh, in, in, during the Kentucky game? So I like Florida State. I am fully aware they are missing their starting quarterback. 
But I like Florida State, and I will say the 49.5 is nowhere near uh, how many points we scored in this game. I'll say Florida State 34-24. All right. Hope you're right, sir. Another big one on Saturday, 3.30 p.m. on CBS. The Iron Bowl, number eight, Alabama, 10-1 and one against Auburn, 6-5. and five. Total 48.5, spread 14.5 for Alabama. Are the rumors true? Did they did Auburn really spend zero time preparing for New Mexico State? Hugh Freeze apparently on the road all, or doing recruiting all week, not really involved in the game planning. Um, I actually think if you're a Bama fan, that was like the worst thing that could have happened last week is Auburn getting trounced at home by New Mexico State. Um, because obviously that's embarrassing. You're gonna have to come back in this game. You already would because it's an Iron Bowl and show the country that that's not what you're made of. Bama's 2-7 and seven against the spread in Jordan-Hare since 2005. Um, they've lost five of those nine games outright. Uh, Hugh Freeze, 4-1 and one against Bama. 4-1 and one against the spread against Bama is Hugh Freeze. Uh, a little bit of different teams that he was working with in those five games, I'm sure. Bama's 4-5 um, in Jordan-Hare since 2005. I'm not, I'm not taking... Since 2005, Bama's two and seven against the spread at Jordan Jordan Hare, okay. uh, and they've lost five of those outright. Actually, um, here's the thing: I'm not taking Auburn. I do potentially like Auburn first half plus seven and a half. Maybe they get a little squirrely. They throw the kitchen sink at Bama mm-hmm. in the first half. I like that, and they keep it close. Yeah, and then I think I think Bama will eventually role in the second half because Auburn's just not talented enough, not deep enough. But I think it could be one of those games. Just like I think Florida Florida State will play out the same way where potentially even the the favored team is down at halftime. Yeah. Um, but I think that eventually Alabama will get it in gear and I think they'll win somewhere in the neighborhood of 35 to 17. So you think they will cover? Yes. All right. Gather round. I've I've had some drinks. Basil Hayden is twenty three dollars in Lexington, South Carolina. Dude, you can't beat that. No. Um. Here's the thing, guys. I know all about the Auburn juju, and I know all about. The Auburn voodoo and the magic and Jordan hair. And, and, and listen, I, I will say it right now. My mom is, is a pastor. And I, and I haven't got her confirmation on this. But I know if I ask her, if I, if I call her up and say, listen, Pastor Patty Sue, PPS, is God an Auburn fan? I think the first thing out of her mouth is say, Christopher, sit down for a second. I need to talk to you. Yes, he is. God doesn't care about football. That's not <laughs> She would say yes. He is an Auburn fan, and I, I, I did not want to tell you this because I was worried about how it would affect you emotionally. You're such a high-strung, emotional guy. And I would say, Mom, it's fine. I knew that for so long, for so long. How else would you explain 2013? How else would you explain 2017? How else would you explain 2019 and Mac Jones, a future Heisman finalist coming in on a really, really good football team, throwing not one but two pick sixes? How else would you explain them starting basically a fucking telephone pole with a right arm at quarterback in, in 2021 and almost beating a Heisman Trophy winner 
coming down the last minute and a half. How do you explain that? How do you explain that twice in the last 10 years, Auburn has won these games in, in a way that the NCAA had to go into their rule book afterwards and be like, hold on. Nick Marshall was five yards, like he had lineman five yards downfield, and he was almost entirely across the line of scrimmage when he completed that pass to Sammy Coates to tie up the game with less than 30 seconds before the kick six. You got to change rules. How else do you explain all that? I'm happy that God's an Auburn fan. God is a is a is a great dude, man. Big fan of God. Big fan of God. <laughs> but good. That's big of you to say that. Uh, yeah. Hot take. Listen, guys. Hot take. Unpopular opinion. God. Pretty cool dude. Welcome to my YouTube channel. Yeah. But God is going to be pretty upset this weekend if he's an Auburn fan. All Auburn fans are. Because when you rest your entire fucking game plan and hope to win a game on Juju and Magic and Hocus Pocus and whatever else you want to fucking say, that's like a recipe for disaster. And I think this Bama team has gotten better every week. Every week since they lost to Texas. And, well, and USF, man. That was a toughie. That was a toughie for sure. Jalen Milrow has been really, really good. He's got 13 touchdowns in his last three games combined. He's been awesome. Last week he had as many touchdowns as he had incomplete passes. Love this kid. I think that the key for Auburn, if you're trying to win this game, is you have to do something. You have to do something and like take some bits and pieces from old games like 2009, where Gus Malzahn came in as the offensive coordinator and said, you know what? We we have just against all odds, like we have no chance of winning this game. Like for the record books out, why don't we do like a fucking double reverse pass, score early, then do an onside kick, do some other shit like the double reverse pass again. You're up 14 nothing, clinging to that for the next next 60 minutes or 50 minutes, whatever it is. That's what you have to hope for if you're an Auburn fan. Because Peyton Thorne is not going to be Alabama. I hate to say it, but Cam Newton's not walking through that fucking door. Carrion Johnson is not walking through that fucking door. One of like the 18th Carlson brothers is walking in that door at, at, at kicker. But this Bama defense is for fucking real. And the offense has gotten better each week. So I know she's not listening. So I'll be as, as, as like blunt and rude as possible. Fuck these motherfuckers. Alabama is going to absolutely dog walk these people. And I can't wait because it's probably going to be the last win they have for the next month or so. I don't think it's going to happen when they go to Atlanta. Bama is going to dog walk Auburn when they get into Jordan Hare. Okay? Yeah, a thousand percent, Tyler. They're, they're giving away cups about like the, the kick six, the 10-year anniversary. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, like I, I have watched this program. I've watched Bama win more national titles in an Olympiad than, Alab than Auburn has won in their entire existence of a program. Peyton Thorne is not it. Robbie Ashford is not it. Jarquez Hunter, I like him. He's pretty good, but they have no one ever seen. But we can we can we can safely say he's he's not it. No, he's not. He's not. And unless this game yeah. involves something along the lines of that 2009 game combined with multiple pick sixes, Bama's going to have to be at least be minus three in the turnover margin with Jalen Milrow. Maybe you find a way then. I don't know. But I will tell you this, unless Bama has like a bunch of fumbles in their own own territory, a bunch of turnovers in their own deep in their own territory, that's the only reason why Auburn was so close with Georgia for, for most of that game. Alabama's going to win this game. They're going to win this game convincingly, like just convincingly. They've been a really, really good team. Vegas has been off about this team by about seven points or more in six of their nine big games against Power 5 competition. 
I like Bama to win. I don't think it's close. I think they really pull away in the second half. Maybe Auburn pulls, you know, pulls some shit out of their hat early. But I think by the time this is like half of the third quarter or going into the fourth, this one's over. This one's fucking over. So enjoy swag surfing with the other 17 people up in that fucking stadium. Alabama wins. Alabama wins. I'll say 38-17. So even bigger than my score. Uh, by the way, the current line in some books has ticked down to 13 and a half. God, why didn't you tell Love me that, that before I started my rant? <laughs> All right, fine. I switch it up. Auburn, money line. All right, and last in-depth coverage we'll go into. This is a big one. Biggest game in quite some time. Saturday, 12 p.m. on Fox, number two, Ohio State, against number three, Michigan. Michigan. When I took my notes, was a three and a half point favorite. Let's see if that still holds. I'm gonna pour some more drinks. It does. So, well, there's some threes out there as well now. So it's ticked down a little bit. Uh, total 45 and a half. Michigan leads the series 60, 51, and six all time. Um, I gotta be honest with you. I've thought Michigan all year. Really, I'm starting to lean towards Michigan or uh, Ohio State in this game. Um, now, I don't trust Kyle McCord at all. I don't trust Kyle McCord at all. Um, one thing I think I do like in this game, weirdly, because I know both defenses are very good, is the over 45 and a half. The overs hit every year but one since 2011. Really. So, I just think, you know, there, there's enough, yeah, there's enough playmakers in this game that I think this this total will go over. But I looked at the last two games that Michigan has not had Jim Harbaugh. 287 total yards against Penn State, 291 yards against Maryland. Okay. I think they're playing poor more poorly without Harbaugh. And I, that's an obvious statement, but I think some people just thought, oh, like a three-game suspension, whatever. I think it's made a major difference in Michigan this year. And all I can keep picturing in my mind is some scenario where Ohio State wins this game and Ryan Day is just – we saw what he did after the Notre Dame game to Lou Holtz. Like, he's going to go ballistic on, on television if they win this yeah. game. And uh, I don't know, man. I think I'm going to go Ohio State outright. I, I don't love it, but I just think that – there's a lot of people that want Michigan's blood. I think Ohio State's the only team in the conference that could do something about it. Yeah. Now, I might not bet it right away because I do want to see how those line of scrimmage play out. I mean, yeah. Michigan has completely bullied Ohio State the last couple of years. And if it happens early in this game as well, I wouldn't love my bet right off the bat. So I may yeah. wait to see how that plays out. But, man, Ohio State's really turned it on lately. I mean, they haven't played anyone worth a shit, but, I mean – they haven't given up 17 points in a game all year. Really? Yeah, I'm looking at the schedule now. I mean, they gave up 17 to Maryland. They gave up 7 to Purdue, 12 to Penn State, 10 to Wisconsin, 16 to Rutgers, 3 to Michigan State, and 3 to Minnesota. Yeah. I like Ohio State in this game. Um, I think I think it's probably what the nation wants to see at this point. Um now, if this does play out, if Ohio State beats Michigan, does Ohio State jump Georgia? No, because it seemed like on the it seemed like on no, the playoff show that they basically admitted that that's going to happen. 
No, I don't think that happens. I don't know. Boo Corrigan, when they when they interviewed Boo Corrigan, who is straight out of like 1912. Um, <laughs> Can you imagine being a grown ass man? Like he, he said that he said Boo. Okay. Yeah. Oh, real scary, buddy. <laughs> um. No, but I, I they they mentioned something like that, like oh, if Ohio State goes out and beats Michigan, then they'll be the number one team. Yeah, like he just like casually said that on the show. So, um. I think okay, so the over under is forty five and a half. I will go twenty seven to twenty three. Ohio State. I think you with the upset, they can finally get revenge on Michigan. And Ryan Day goes absolutely ballistic on television after the game. God, I hope it happens. I like. I want Ryan Day. This might be a deep cut for some of our listeners. But I think we have an older crowd, a little bit, like a little bit of an older crowd, like. I want to see Chris Farley doing like General Schwarzkopf, like from SNL, being like, and I'll tell you the thing. I want Holyfield. I want Holyfield. This summer, the Taj Mahal, the war on the shore. Anyway, um, I'll tell you right now, I am drunk for one. I mowed through this basil hay. <laughs> I'm so thankful for you and this podcast and all of you guys listening right now. But let me tell you this. I am so over Michigan shit. I'm so over Michigan shit. I would rather spend multiple afternoons with the worst drunk uncles on Thanksgiving than ever have to listen to a Michigan fan defend what happened this year. Like, because it went from you hate us because you ain't us. You like everyone's trying to bring us down. It was Ohio State that did it. It went from hashtag bet to hashtag like, all right, well, I mean, like, they, like whatever, dude. Like, everyone does it like so quickly, so quickly. You were, I, I honestly, I respected them in the beginning of this whole thing when they cheated because I was like, good for you. You're finally taking football seriously. You're being an SEC team. You're cheating. Like, like, like we all do it. Fine. But then you sat, you sat there in this whole fucking ivory tower bullshit of Michigan man looking down their nose at everyone else in the, like in the SEC, everyone else in the country, Ohio State, blah, blah, blah. Because I, I would love to pull up some tweets from people that like – are the most outspoken about this whole thing with Michigan and see what they thought about like tattoo gate from the, like the 2012 Ohio state team. It's real prior where they were selling their, their, their like belongings for fucking tattoos and shit. Like I guarantee you it's very different. All that being said, Oh, like Michigan is a really good football team. Lake Corm has 20 touchdowns. He's got 20 touchdowns with less than 900 yards rushing, which is astounding. They're a really good team. They've got J.J. McCarthy, who I think has been good at times this year. If there's one thing I've learned, if that motherfucker gets invited to New York for the Heisman, I'm going to lose my mind. I will lose my mind. We've already given one Michigan person an invite that didn't deserve it two years ago. He does not need to be invited. They can win in spite of him, or they can win with him. We've seen both this year. That being said, Ohio State, the thing that we don't get about this university and this, this program this year they're a really good defensive team. I love the stat you brought up that they've only given up 17 points or they haven't given up more than 17 points in a game this season. They haven't played a ton of ranked opponents, but they have played two top 10 teams. Uh, I believe one of them was on the road at least. The other was, was Penn State at home. But like they've beaten both those teams. They're 11 0. They're 11 0. They're number two for a reason. And this defense is for fucking real. And here's the other thing they are battle tested. They are battle tested. And I think that if you. Um, 
I think that if, if you look at this program and you think about like, or you look at this team, you think about how like, who, who's going to go win this game? You don't trust Kyle McCord? That's fine. Does Trey Van Henderson have his best game of the season last week in that big route against Indiana? They're going on the road. I think this is like, shut out the noise. Like, let's have fucking laser focus, go into Ann Arbor, and let's rip out these people's fucking hearts because they have got to be so fired up for this game, especially after the last two years. I like Ohio State to win. I think it's I think it's one of those games like we saw in the, in the late 90s, early 2000s, very much dating myself here. We're very, very close. Probably a prime prime number game for a little bit. What is going on? What is that? Oh. Anyway, like a prime number game. Like for, for a while. And then what we find out is that Ohio State butts big play, breaks the wide open, much like Michigan did last year. I like Ohio State to win. I like to do digits. I think it's a fucking statement game. And they put their foot on this team's throat in the fourth quarter and they do not let up. I like Ohio State to win. I will say 24 to 14. Okay, so you do like the under in this game? Yeah, I do. I don't know if that's the under, actually. I don't think about it. Tough. Okay. Um, all right. So no more games to heavily break down, but any other games that intrigue you? I mean, the rest of these rival games are kind of uh, massive spreads. Um, one that intrigues me is the Apple Cup out in Washington, Washington State at Washington. Uh, it's a 16 and a half point uh, spread right now for Washington. But, you know, Washington's obviously got that big Oregon game coming up next week. This game always seems to be a little crazy. I think Washington State's playing a little bit better than they were in the middle of the season. They're, they're yeah. back into a little bit more form of where they were at the beginning of the season. Um, that's a potential spot for Washington where you could see a closer game than the 16 and a half. I don't know if they'll lose the game outright, but I kind of I think I like the Cougs to cover the spread in that game. I have Any other too. games that, that you like on the schedule or you want to talk about? Um, I'll say this game because I love this game, and I, I wish they played it in Atlanta every single year. 24 and a half. I have no concept of who's going to win this game. I do think, I, I will say this, I think Georgia Tech puts up more points. What do you mean you have no concept of who's going to win this game? I, did I say that? You did. We got to wrap the show. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> love you guys all. Sorry. All right. Wait. All right. So before we wrap, obviously, don't forget to call the hotline this week, 770-674-8233. Let's hear the hatred run through you this week. We know there's a lot of bad blood on Rivalry Week, week 13. Uh, So give us a call, hotline, leave us a voicemail. I'm going to, after this show, I'm going to go change the voicemail intro so it's shorter. And make sure you keep your voicemail short, too, because we're not playing three-minute ones. No. Now, I will tell you this. If you're also at a game this weekend, send us video. We'll put it on the show. We can put it on the show afterwards. Um, and, and, you know, or hear me out here. Definitely call the hotline. But if you want to fucking FaceTime yourself and send us a video of your instant reaction after game, also do that because we will post it in our Saturday Football Unhinged segment that we will also be doing on Saturday. Sunday. Fuck. Tough like day, huh? Yeah. Lay off the basil, Hayden's, bruh. So much. Uh, all right. That's the end of the show. As always, we appreciate you listening to the show. It, it would help us in the growth of the show if you'd rate us five stars on Apple and Spotify. Leave us a review. We will read the best ones on air. 
and like and subscribe to the YouTube page. Don't forget to check out the videos and clips from the show at Sat Down South on Twitter, at Saturday Down South on Instagram and TikTok, and of course, Saturday Down South on YouTube. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We are so very thankful for every listener that we've gained over the course yeah. of this year. The best season numbers-wise for the pod in the history of the pod and all thanks to you guys. So we really appreciate it. Chris, I'm Tyler. Talk to you guys on Sunday night.